Reformed Church. A lot of times, the armor of God is used sort of like just fighting the devil in general, right? But the armor of God isn't actually for just fighting the devil in general or fighting the power of the devil or the things that the devil is trying to, you know, uh, do in this world just in general. Um, the armor of God is really, really specific, and I don't think most people know this specific use for the armor of God just because I've never, ever heard it outside this church, ever. In my life, I've never heard the armor of God taught that it's exclusively a kind of protection for your mind. It, it's sort of offense and defense, but it's specifically for your mind. It's to armor your mind. Um, I've never heard it said that plainly. Now, I've heard people talk about the fight of faith. I've heard people talk about, you know, in 2 Corinthians 10, about, you know, fighting imaginations and everything that, you know, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I've heard all of that before. And I've heard Ephesians 6, which talks about the armor of God. I've heard that taught, you know, as far as fighting the deception of the devil. I've heard all of that before, but I have never heard it so plainly that the armor of God is exclusively for your mind. It's armor for your mind. Uh, usually it, it kind of, it, it may start in that realm, but it kind of ventures off into some other things, usually at church. When you hear about the armor of God, it kind of trails off into fighting the devil in sort of these different ways rather than just strictly um, establishing truth in your mind, tearing down wrong doctrine in your mind. And anyway, so um, that's the cool thing about the armor of God. So I just want to read this to you real quick and just uh, show you a few things that I, I just recently have been thinking about and very cool about the armor of God. Um, so Ephesians 6.14, Ephesians 6.14, um, Ephesians 6.13 is where he talks about the putting on the whole armor of God so that you can uh, you know withstand in the evil day. Um, and then verse 14, it just says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, now, I believe it's Peter, and I don't know if I have it written down here or not. Yeah, it's 1 Peter 1.13 that actually talks about uh, girding up the loins of your mind. So you already know when he says gird your, gird your loins up, which is like your waist, gird your loins up with truth. Uh, Peter says, again, 1 Peter 1.13, that uh, the loins that he's talking about here that you're girding with truth is the loins of your mind. So you already know even just from that, it sort of sets sort of a, a stage there that the armor is for your mind, right? Uh, so truth which makes sense, right? If, if the, um, the, the girdle or the belt, as some translations probably say, uh, is truth, it makes sense that that would be for your mind, right? Because truth isn't actually for your waist. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I, I know we kind of know that, but when you read it, you don't understand, okay, these things are symbolic. He's not actually telling me to put something on my waist, the loins of my mind. Uh, I don't know why our mind can be called, like, our, our waist in, in whatever way he's referring to. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what your waist is symbolic of. But that's what he's talking about, and you have Peter to interpret that for you, right? Even if we don't quite know why uh, loins uh, is here referring to our mind. Uh, so God wants truth to be in our mind, and that is a kind of protection. It's a kind of armor. Truth in your mind is a kind of armor so that you can uh, not be confused about uh, the things that are in this world. You, you don't have to be confused about things in your life. You don't have to be confused when deception comes, and you don't have to be confused about the truth of Jesus, right? You have, you have truth in your mind. It protects you from deception, um, which in turn protects your emotions, which in turn protects your manifestation, which in turn protects, you know, the, the God's working through you. It, it sort of uh, uh, continues to allow the power of God to flow through you because you've got your mind, you know, secured with truth, right? Because God wants to protect our minds. So, uh, so that's, that's, you know, one cool aspect of that is having and having on the breastplate of righteousness, you know, I used to think that probably, especially when we, I started learning about that righteousness or being right with God is a gift. 
It comes through Jesus, not because of what I do. So I'm always right with God because I put faith in Jesus. You know, it's this continual thing I'm always in. Even when I do something wrong, I'm still just as right with God as I was before I did that wrong thing because my righteousness is a gift through what Jesus did, not through what I do. So I, I always projected that into this verse. But actually, this righteousness here is not talking about being right with God. Righteousness, it, if you want a simple, what does righteousness mean? Just take the, 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 the eosness off the end. Just right. If it just says right, simple enough. It just means to be right. It can mean to be right before God. It can mean to be right in your actions. It could be, like, for instance, like, if we could have a righteousness of our works, like the Jews, the Bible says today, go on trying to establish a righteousness of their works. That's not talking about being right before God in the gift sense. That's talking about trying to do the right thing, right? Uh, the Bible sometimes talks about righteousness as a fruit of the, the Spirit. Um, in Ephesians, actually, uh, righteousness is a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible said that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So all these things are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so that's, talking, that's not talking about being right before God. That's talking about, you know, doing something right by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doing something right through you, right? Because whether the Holy Spirit produces righteousness through you or not, you're still right with God. You know what I'm saying? Two different things, right? So it just means be, to be right. And here, actually, righteousness can also mean, uh, because it can mean just doing something right, we know what our our personal right work is to do in this new covenant. If you haven't heard that, if you're listening online, you can listen to our Obedience is Faith article and our Obedience of Faith teaching online for more on this. But our only right deed that God wants us to do in this new covenant is faith in Jesus. And this righteousness is actually talking about faith. Um, you could say it's the breastplate of faith. That's why, you know, if, if this were just talking about being right before God, that wouldn't necessarily be something that's for your mind. Being righteous before God is sort of a standing that we have with the Lord. Um, but this righteousness is talking about, for your mind, is talking about the breastplate of faith. And the Bible actually interprets that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, which you don't have to put up there, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says the breastplate of faith and love. And if you notice, faith which works by love, if you listen to our obedience of faith teaching, you understand that, faith which works by love is our only right deed to do in this new covenant, a faith that produces or works out love in us. And that's what it calls the breastplate in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So, Righteousness here is actually talking about your new covenant right deed, the breastplate of faith, which works love. That's what it's talking about. So you see, again, wow, you know, even the breastplate's talking about armoring my mind with faith so I can see who I am in Christ. Faith is just seeing in the unseen, right? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, faith, or chapter 5, actually. Um, faith is just seeing the unseen. So I can, I can, you know, be confident that I'm complete in Christ, even when I don't see all that completion on the outside. I can be confident that I am moral now. God has made me righteous and moral and just, uh, uh, even when I don't see that fully manifest in my life. I can be confident of all the power of God, and that I'm never alone, even if I don't see that manifest in my life in full yet. Faith is seeing the unseen and being confident of that, and I can have my, my mind uh, uh, girded, I can have my mind uh, girded with truth and protected with the breastplate of faith so that no one can convince me otherwise. I know who I am in Christ because I can see the unseen, I understand who I am in my spirit, and it, it, it's like a breastplate for my mind so that the, the devil can't confuse me as to who I am in Christ, and no one else can as well. So that's another cool thing. Verse 15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If you listen to our teaching on the washing of the feet uh, that we have online, you'll see that feet is also a symbol of our mind in, in some way. Um, that's a, the washing of the feet. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, that was a, a picture of renewing our mind by the water of the word. So when he says your feet shod or, or you know, uh, um, sort of uh, covered, 
with the preparation of the gospel. So you see, it's again, it's the gospel. You see how these things are all for our mind? You know, it's the, the belt of truth. Uh, it's the breastplate of faith. It's the, um, uh, your feet or your mind prepared with the gospel, right? The gospel of peace. Uh, I, I assume that that would mean peace with God. I'm, you know, that's, that's a little bit of opinion right now, but that we have peace with God right now, right? With the gospel of peace, that God has reconciled the world and he's not angry with anybody. Hey, you know what? Like, you know, I've, I've, I've reconciled you to myself. So the gospel of peace, we can, we can protect our mind with the gospel of peace, right? It's awesome. And prepare our mind, and the gospel in our mind prepares us to even share that with other people. So anyway, he said, and above all, um, taking the shield of faith uh, wherewith uh, you shall be able to quench the fiery darts um, of the wicked. Fiery darts in the Bible. I'll throw this reference out at you. I'm doing like a really, like a mini series here. But uh, fiery darts, if you read Proverbs 26, 18, and 19. Fiery darts is, is um, interpreted by the book of Proverbs as meaning someone who lies, uh, someone who, 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 who tells an untruth and says, just says that they were joking. Uh, that's, what, that's actually what it says in Proverbs. So fiery darts, in other words, all this armor, what's it supposed to do? It's supposed to protect you from deception. From the devil's deception, uh, the devil can't speak into your mind directly, but you know, by means of other people, by means of circumstances in this world, um, there's a lot I could say about that to, to prove that to you. But the devil can't speak directly into your mind. That's that's not a control he has. But man, when when your mind is protected with with the gospel, when your mind is protected with faith, when your mind is you seeing the unseen, it's a sight thing in your mind. When you're when you're the loins are are girded up with truth, you know, it just protects you against all the lies of the devil, the lies of other people, the the, the persuasions of other people. They want there are people in this world that are inspired. They don't even realize it, but they actually want to inspire you, uh, or rather, they are inspired to persuade you away from the gospel. When you speak something to them, uh, again, they don't even realize that they could be even being used by the devil just because they're so deceived in this world that they could want to persuade you away from the gospel and want to persuade you away from the track that God sets you on. And, and God doesn't want you to be persuaded or tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, you know, as Ephesians 4 says. So he, he, he takes our mind and he armors it. So you, you can believe the truth and produce the manifestation that God wants you to see in your life without being persuaded or sort of drifting off in, into, into sort of la-la land, being drifted off into, into a fantasy. God wants you to see the truth about who you are, truth of what Jesus did, be fully persuaded, and like Abraham, just growing stronger and stronger every day, giving glory to God and, and, and being more and more convinced of what you have in Christ and that you're going to see that manifestation of everything that God gave you. So it, it just keeps you grounded, keeps you, again, armored up, right? Having a mind protected is the most important thing. The Bible says, above all else, to guard your heart, the uh, Proverbs says. It's the most important thing to guard. If your heart is guarded, the way that God has given us equipment by his spirit on the inside of us, he's given us the gospel and truth on the inside of us to guard our heart. If your heart can be guarded, everything else is, you know, just, just follows, right? So anyway, it quenches the fiery darts or the lies of the devil. And check this out. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm just going to stop right here, but sword of the spirit is very apparent there. He's talking about the word of God there. I could go into what sword means here, but I don't really have time. The Word of God shows us what's wrong and what's right in our mind. It reveals and exposes, like, hey, that's a lie. And it shows you, no, but this is the truth. This is what I've told you. Um, so uh, the book of Hebrews talks about that. So the sword of the Spirit, I think that's in Hebrews chapter 5, I'm pretty sure. So uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, again, another thing for your mind, right? God speaks his word into your mind, and it's like it protects it. It exposes lies, shows you what's of darkness, and shows you what's, you know, his truth and what's light. Um, but check out the helmet of salvation. Really cool, again, if you, again, if you read 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it doesn't say the helmet of salvation, actually. Because you may say, being saved isn't necessarily just for my mind, right? Being saved is kind of a, well, helmet of salvation is, is, is actually more than just 
being saved. First uh, Thessalonians 5.8 says that it's the helmet of the hope of salvation. And I could go into this for a while, but I'm going to have to just be real brief. Hope of salvation um, is actually um, that we are saved, right? We have all of our freedoms and all of our privileges and all the power of God and all of our redemption living on the inside of us right now. Every good thing is living on the inside of us. You could say our salvation is living on the inside of us right now. The Bible says, though, that that salvation can be worked out. It can be, it can be, it can be uh, um, exercised. It can be manifest through you, right? All the good things on the inside of you, God hasn't just given you good things, right? You need to be confident that you have good things in Christ, but you have to also be confident that these things are able to manifest through you, that that's their intention. That's God's intention is for all the salvation in you to manifest to your body, to manifest to other people, to manifest in your life, change your life, manipulate circumstance to make it look more like heaven on earth. Uh, make your body look more like heaven on earth. Make even your friends and your family uh, conform things to the image of God, right? There's a lot that can go into that. But uh, the hope of salvation, the word hope actually means expectation of salvation. And you may say, if you were to read First Thessalonians 5, well, what do you mean hope of salvation? I'm already saved. Why would you say hope or an expectation of salvation? Like it's a future tense thing. Um, why would he say that? But because... Salvation is on the inside of us, but what we expect is that salvation to be manifest through us. You can listen to the rest of our teaching on hope um, uh, uh, online. Hope of salvation means I expect this manifestation to be seen, to be visible, to be manifest through us. The way that Romans 8 talks about that. And so when he says the helmet of the hope of salvation, you could say it's just strictly called the helmet of hope. That's what it is, actually. It's, it's hope or having an expectancy, a belief that I will see this manifestation if I continue, and if I am persistent in the word of God, I will see this manifestation. Hope is also an armor for your mind. Because sometimes the devil you know, could try to convince you, and again, he can't speak directly into your mind, but it's from him nonetheless. Sometimes the devil might try to convince you that you're not complete in Christ in some kind of way, or you are deficient in some kind of way. And you know what? Faith helps that because you can realize, no, you know what? I am complete in Christ. I see who I am in the unseen, and you can't convince me otherwise. Breastplate of faith, shield of faith, right? Those, th those kind of things can, can armor your mind. But when it comes to the helmet of salvation, there's also something that armors your mind, and that is that I also, you also can't convince me, devil, that I'm not going to see the manifestation of the glory of God in my life because I have a helmet of expectation, a helmet of hope, a helmet that protects my mind against someone that would persuade me that I won't somehow see manifestation of the glory of God in my life if I believe. You see, so hope guards your mind. It's like you're covered on every basis, right? It's like you're covered with faith because you know that who you are in Christ. You're covered with expectation because you know you will see that manifestation in your life. And it's just your, your mind, your emotions are just totally protected by the word of God and by the gospel, right? So anyway, that's, that's a summary of the armor of God. And I just kind of wanted to do that as quick as possible just to show that because it's very, very cool stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reformed Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this unpopular message to the world. If you'd like to support Reformed Church, you can do so at reforminus.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reforminus.com.